This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome to the American Horror Story podcast, the officially unofficial podcast for American Horror Story Freak Show on the FX Network. Tonight we're talking about episode 411. I'm your host, Cecily. Magical thinking. I'm your host, Aaron. You've been acquainted, I'm sure, with my co-host, Cecily. I am glad to be back. Are you? I I am. Well, I'm glad to be back with this episode because I don't know, gentle listeners, if you could tell, but I was starting to check out on this season. I was really getting... It wasn't going well for us as a team. As like us, the audience, just the whole group of us, we weren't holding together very well. No. It, it, was, uh, it, it was a bad situation. But I feel like I'm reinvigorated. Other than continuing not to care about Jimmy, I liked everything that happened in this episode. Yeah, can we just talk about the entire episode and just not talk about Jimmy's scenes? Because, like, who cares? <laughs> Sure. Just gloss right over it. I don't think I can do that contractually, but sure. Yeah. I feel you on that. Okay. But no, we've missed you guys. We things, things have gotten weird. We think things are weird. Things have gotten weird without this outlet. We just sit around and we plot how to murder our cat and we discuss these plans right in front of her. It's the only way we can possibly it's pay cat, back. It's cat shaming and there's nothing wrong with it. I don't think a jury in the world would convict us. It's the only way we can deal with the psychological torment that she puts us through. And physical? Yeah. Psychological, physical, I turned my emotional? back for one night tonight. She stole a burrito off my plate. Shoot. Drug it onto the floor. She doesn't even eat burritos. She just nibbled on it and drug it around like who even wants a burrito? She's just a little shit. Yeah, that was my food. She didn't want it. She just wanted to deny me it. And someone's going to give me grief for telling my cat in a calm voice. I'm not yelling. I'm just talking. I'm telling her matter factly how I'm going to murder her. I think and we're... And she looks at me and she knows. She knows. She's aware by now. I think we may be a little off topic, though. Yes, you're right. Uh, magical thinking. Magical thinking. So this episode was directed by Michael Goy. I believe that's how you pronounce his name. Um, he has cinematography credits for uh, 66 films. In TV shows. Uh, he's done a couple episodes of American Horror Story. Um, he did a movie in 2011 called Megan is Missing that he directed about uh, two teenage girls who become victims of uh, online predators. And the third and final thing that he's directed in his official capacity is uh, Sexy Urban Legends. So if anyone knows that, classic. No stranger to fucked up entertainment, this guy. Which probably explains why everyone's so sex-craved, crazed, craving crazy sex. <laughs> why? And the episode was written because he directed Sexy Urban Legends. Oh, yes, yes. first thing he directed. Okay. So there you go. He's all about freaks getting it on. Sure. Um, And this episode was written by Brad Felchuk. So there's that guy again. <laughs> You remember Brad Falchuk? He does most of the co yeah 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 projects with uh, Ryan Murphy. Yeah. So you think Ryan Murphy had this uh, director on like Rolodex, like he just is really deep in the file for when I want to have 
conjoined twins get freaky. I need the master of freaky sex. And he pulled the guy's name and gave him a call. And the guy leapt at the chance. You know what? I would actually love to know how this process generally works. Yeah. I'm sure it's different for each person. There's a certain level of, I don't know, professional knowledge of each other that you employ. I think so. Like, I feel like in a lot of writing rooms, if there's a complicated action sequence, people are like, we need Michelle McLaren. Yeah. If Ryan Murphy's hold up like, oh, I've got this fucked up script. I, I know, know the I perfect feel- guy for it. Yeah, I feel like uh, maybe with Game of Thrones that they do that, that they carefully sure. choose, pick and choose who's going to do what based right. on their experience. Right. I feel like shows like this in The Walking Dead, it's more of like a hat drawing, pick of the litter. It's like. more of a manatee with a beach ball kind of situation. Yeah. All right. I, I think exactly. that's, that seems reasonable. Shall we talk about the episode? Oh, right. That has to happen. Magical Thinking, episode 411. We see Jimmy and Russell Edgington. They're right where we left them. Russell Edgington is trying to use his uh, vampiric powers of suggestion to get him to sacrifice his hands for no damn good reason. And he goes along with it for some reason. And he says he's he's only going to take his left one, of course. Of course. I don't know. I I would talk more about this except I just don't care about Jimmy. Yeah, I really don't. Um, if this is if this is if this is the stupid thing that Ryan Murphy has to do to get us to the point where someone kills Russell Edgington, then so be it. Let's just talk about the interesting things. What do you think he drank out of that vial? I I thought it was going to be something to knock him out. Clearly, it was just like a, an emetic, so it could have been castor oil, like a so whole he, bottle of castor oil. So he was just throwing up. Yeah. I mean, if I were a prison guard, I I would just let that slide. Yeah. I'd be like he's just throwing up. It doesn't seem like I'm. Medical emergency. I think that's what his whole thing was going to be. And then Russell Edgington mind fucked him with his con man abilities into thinking that he was some big shot lawyer type that would get him into some serious trouble. And at the end of the day, cops are just like blue car working dudes. Like if I was a police officer. It's the 50s. I mean, I don't think that there were repercussions for police officers who were prejudiced. In fact, I think they were rewarded for that kind of stuff. It's one more different person that you got off the streets, right? In fact, police officers today don't get in trouble for killing different people like black men in the street. No, I mean, I I hear what you're saying, but it's not like so. So let's say that you do have cops out there that are, uh, you know, doing bad things. I still don't think they they like to have they don't like to cut on camera for sure. They, they don't have cameras don't. in the... But I'm saying they also don't like to do it in front of, like, people that know the law. Like, you know... I don't think so. Hmm. I don't know. It's interesting. I've seen Pleasantville. I know how it works. <laughs> so, uh, Jimmy wakes up in the hospital after... Yeah, you, you skipped over the hooker ambulance driver. The Viking... The Viking god. The Viking doctor ambulance driver. God. How much is he being paid? I don't know. To just show up and be complicit in these horrible crimes. He's extraordinarily loyal hooker. He's like a puppy dog. He's like a murder puppy dog. You buy, he doesn't know how prostitution works. You buy him one drink and you basically is your manservant. Yeah. Until you dismiss him. Yeah. He doesn't even know that all he has to do is just not pay him, but just put peanut butter on his balls and then he'll get what he's looking for for free. <laughs> oh, God. So anyway, uh, they take him by horbulence. <laughs> To the, uh, to the hospital and Jimmy gets his hands amputated and he wakes up and, uh, there is a really bitchy nurse that won't give him anything for his pain because her friend was at that Tupperware party. Those were her friends. That's right. 
you know, one imagines they could have been locked in a basement at one point. <laughs> but uh, be- before they were fed upon and then thrown in that swimming pool. Russell yeah. Edgington strikes again. Me swampa coo swampa. <laughs> so uh, we go uh, after the break. We come back and we see Dot and Bet are writing the final diary entries. Yep. They're finally on board with the freak show. Uh, Dot lost her hair, which I actually thought was really cool hair. But uh-huh. uh, she ditched it, went back to her plain Jane roots. Her comfortable mousy brown. Yep. They're seeing the uh, freaks acting like freaks and they're being... Very charmed by it, and uh, they're also they're also really going to get their freak on. They want <laughs> to. They are they are locked into the bone zone. They have the thousand yard cock stare uh, throughout this episode until they finally get it. Uh, it's it's an, it's amazing to watch Sarah Paulson convey this. Yeah, they're drinking those large bottles of root beer, but they still look thirsty. They are thirsty as hell. What do so they then, What do they say about traveling salesmen? Um, Are traveling salesmen like Arch Bushmasters? I have no idea. I usually try to turn them away at the door. (laughs) Is that code for something? (laughs) (laughs) No. (laughs) Um, So he's not just a traveling salesman. He's a lizard salesman. He's a chameleon salesman. Uh, Chameleon salesman. And those chameleons were adorable. They were adorable. Is that what chameleons look like in real life? It's Neil Patrick Harris. I he's, they were bigger. He's doing magic. With a chameleon. It's adorable. Everything's adorable until he brings out his ventriloquist friend, uh, Marjorie, right? Marjorie, yep. She, then, then things start to get really dark really fast. Um, we had this question when we we're watching it is why, you know, why Doogie Hauser is seeing these two strange women on Dot and Bet's head. And I swore the woman on the right at first was uh, Lorna from Orange is the New Black. Yeah, it did look like her. But then when we got to the sequence of them being actually alive and we found out what all's going on, it's not her at all. No. But it did look a little like it's Lorna. Not. Lorna would never do that to her. To Christopher? No, but she no. no, she did. She went gay for this day. No, she would never cheat on Christopher willingly. She okay, went th- gay for the stay. That's a different podcast. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'd you dead to rights. Anyway, so, uh, we find out poor Doogie. He's got, he, we use a, he's a war vet. He's got a, like half a metal brain or something. He's from Georgia and he has to deal with those winters. Yeah, those harsh Georgia winters. <laughs> poor guy. And, uh, he said, uh, is anyone interested in magic? And, uh, I think Bet and Dot seriously want to play with his wand. <laughs> and the audience had a resounding yes. <laughs> and we said uh, Bet and Dot thought to themselves, I hope the war hasn't broken anything important. Who the fuck thinks like that? But, you know, that's, that's disgustingly objectifying and it insensitive is. To, it is. to a man with a war, war wound like that. Yeah, you know what? I just I don't think women respect men's rights to have their bodies yeah. not be objectified they like don't. that. They don't. They really need to respect that autonomy. They do. Um, but anyway, it, the thing is, is, Chester, I think, might have been a more successful magician if he hadn't gone with that whole The Molester stage name. And you know what? <laughs> <laughs> no a, one books No a, one books them for a birthday party. I know. And this is the child, Aaron, that I'm podcasting with. But he came up with the Chester The Molester joke before we ever heard it. Said on screen. Sure, sure. <laughs> Which I thought was kind of clever, but then oh, when they you? when they brought it up in the show, I was like, "Oh, that's so stupid. That's like 
That's like grade school. And then I realized, but I said it first. <laughs> yeah, you And did. I literally had an internal wah, wah, like Debbie Downer moment. <laughs> no, that was me saying it directly into your ear. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but he's actually pretty good. He's got a, he's got a pretty good act. For a molester. For a molester. It's not bad. Uh, he let makes little boy's pants disappear. Del visits Jimmy. And then we can just skip this, right? No? Uh, okay. All right. Just do it. Just make it quick. Okay. Here's the deal. Do they really want me to feel any kind of sympathy for these two murderers? Cold-blooded murderers? Not only just that. Just all pieces of shit. Not only that. And this show, like True Blood, gets really heavy-handed in its metaphor. But this whole thing, when Jimmy said, imagine that, being labeled a freak just for being normal. Oh, my God. That's one of the baconest, gauntliest, ham-fisted metaphors for what it's like to be gay. I mean, I don't know because I'm, I'm not gay. I don't know if a, a gay person watching that and are they like rolling their eyes so hard at how trite that is? This or has they... nothing to do with being gay. Don't, no. No, no. no. Yes, be... it does. Oh, no, yes, it does. No, it doesn't. What he's saying is that he's. I mean, he hasn't come out to be about being gay to Jimmy. What he's saying is that he was being like persecuted for having sweaty hands. That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. No, but I'm saying that was an odd. Dell took that when he said his son said that. He took that as uh, like a realization. No. Of I'm being treated a freak for being no. having normal human beings. Totally. You're giving him way too much credit. If you don't think that's obvious metaphor. Sure. But you're giving Dell way too much credit. No, but I'm talking to the show. The show is what I'm not giving credit. What? I'm saying, no, give credit to the show. Don't give credit to Dell. Say this is the metaphor. Credit. I this think is the attack no, me. Listen, just listen. Okay. This is the metaphor that we, as the audience, have taken away. Dell himself has not picked up on that. He doesn't realize he's being persecuted for being a gay or different. I just think the concept of a. Family of freaks persecuting the normal boy is so fucking Twilight Zone, 1950s, C-grade Star Trek episode metaphor for being different in society that it's just played out. It is played out. So, but again, this got Jimmy in it too, so I was predisposed to hate it. <laughs> and then it's like, oh my god, then when I thought it couldn't get grosser, he's shoving rice into the face of Jimmy who Evan, for whatever reason, has decided to play this as as he's regressing to a five-year-old child. I understand he's drugged and all. Well, that's what he said. He but he's said, like, gaga, goo, goo. And he's like, I can't believe it. I'm over 50. And it's the first time I'm feeding my son. Yeah. it's Like, with tears in his eyes, I'm like, get the fuck out of here, both of you. Both of you. Yeah, no. That's why I wanted to skip this. <laughs> you know, I only got – Dell, gone. Jimmy, like 10% gone. We're making progress. We're making there's 110 percent less Jimmy and Dell in the show now. Yeah, no, I think there's a little bit more of Jimmy. I'm on the side of there being a little bit more of him gone because a lot of his hubris was in those hands. Mm, mm-hmm. Jesus, the lady plays mo- in power. You thought he was mopey as fuck before. <laughs> Wait till he gets out, wandering through the woods. Wait, where is he? I don't know. He, Del we came don't know. Back. He's there. He, the, the freak show is hiding him, presumably, or they've shipped him off to wherever freaks go. Okay. Uh, anyway. Hope you kept a diary. Marjorie. Says where they are. We see this routine of Marjorie, which is uh, Chester's dummy. Mm -hmm. But she doesn't like to be called that. And I got to say, as he's doing his act, I thought Neil Patrick Harris was a really good fake ventriloquist. (laughs) Yeah. And this is the context I should set set the scene of. He's doing his routine for uh, Miss Elsa (laughs) to try to get a spot on the freak show. Uh, And she turns him down. She goes, look, we're a freak show. You're not a freak. You're just a magician. 
uh, go fuck yourself. And he says, well, maybe I can stand out front and sell baby lizards. And uh, Elsa said, nobody wants to buy baby lizards. Chameleons, you guys. Well, are you like the Hank of chameleons? I'm really taken with the chameleons. They're minerals, Marie. Jesus Christ. I never watched that show. (laughs) That's a lie. It's really not. (laughs) Nobody wants to buy baby lizards, Elsa says. That is a lie. Speaking of lies, everyone wants to buy baby lizards. Did you see those chameleons? They Uh, were adorable. I want a baby lizard right now. Let's go get one. Okay. Let's All just right. fuck this podcast, Lizard Town. It's we're going to pause it, and we're going to go to PetSmart, and we're going to get a baby chameleon. I think they've got them. Bearded dragons. If not, we'll get a bearded dragon. They're adorable, too. And we're back with all of our lizards. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fucking menagerie here in the studio. <laughs> There's so many lizards. Um, th- And this is, proves the point that he made like $15, $20, which I think is like a million dollars in 1950s terms. No, no, no. A million lizard dollars? A million <laughs> A million chameleon dollars. Oh, a shit. chameleon dollars. <laughs> a chameleon dollars. I love it. He's a chameleonaire. <laughs> so, oh, Jesus. you know what he actually is? He's good with numbers because he's got all these things down. And yeah. Elsa May sees it and she's got a a nose for business. <laughs> and and uh, then he starts she said, turning and, tricks for books. <laughs> and she says, if you help with the books, then I will let you do your little... Uh, you know, puppet show slash magic routine as a warm up act. Hmm. And Marjorie has this judgy, permanently judgy bi- bitch face. Like we talk about resting bitch face, but if you carve a dummy in a bitch face, it's going to be stuck there. It's not resting. Yeah. It's actively maintaining that bitchy visage. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I just think as Neil Patrick Harris starts talking, as Chester starts talking to Marjorie right in front of Elsa, She's got this kind of like mask on her face. What is she thinking in this scene? I think she has just realized that she hired an insane person. But then she sold the place to him. I just did the math. Um, it looks like he was making $177 approximately each night selling chameleons. That's not bad. Yeah, that's, uh, that's a respect. Every night, that's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, you're going to be clearing over $1,000 a week. Yeah. That's enough, you know, for a traveling. I mean, how much expenses you got as a traveling lizard, man? Yeah. So I think at this point, um, going back to the bitch face comment, I think at this point she's realized that she sold her, her, or no, she's hired an insane person, but thinks that there's a possibility that it's just the act. Mm, she's trying like to, how she's trying to process. Plus it's like, like when you get really into your character and, and being eccentric is kind of part of the game, right? I'm surprised the ventriloquist doll didn't come out sooner, actually. Mm, yeah. As, you know? as, as, as much as he needed the ventriloquist. Yeah, and he was showing off to all the... Or the, the dummy. Yeah, showing off to uh, all the freaks when he first arrived. He know. can just go up and sell lizards to people. Chameleons. Chameleons. I, I Okay, I've I've suffered this long enough. A chameleon is a lizard. Damn it. They're in, they're in the same same kingdom or phylum or I'm species. I'm not going to stop correcting you. Can, please continue. But anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, I forget what, I, what the point I was going to make. You were going to say that... Yes, he can sell chameleons in front of a crowd. Just go up door to door, sell chameleons all day long. Uh, hawk them outside of tents and stuff. But he can't make Whoopi with a woman without a doll. Like, it feels like um, going out and talking to strangers is hard. Having sex with women's easy. Is it? Comparatively speaking, I think. I'd much rather have sex with women than talk to strangers, my God. 
Nothing good can come of the talking strangers unless they're a woman who eventually had no. That's that's a terrible sentiment. Wow. I know. I know. <laughs> I, I pulled it back. I couldn't even go there. Uh, well, sh- I think that I I go to the state fair every year. Yeah. So and have sex with straight what? Oh my god, so many carnies. But that's beside the point. <laughs> you go there, you're loaded with cash. No one takes a card there, so you got to be carrying tons of cash, right? Uh huh. So you show up to the freak show. You're ready to buy popcorn. Ready to buy a lizard. They're kind of like the little goldfish yeah. you win from throwing the ball into the, yeah. And you know, liz- uh, cool. chameleons are just edgy enough that it's <laughs> like, you know, like you, if someone just was on the street or at a carnival offering you a chameleon, you'd be like, no, no, no. But if you go to a freak show, you're kind of primed to buy a weird lizard that can change color and look at two different things with its eyes at the same time. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you're ready to go. I mean, my God, there's the astounding lizard girl. Right. And and she's on the board. You're there to see her. You want to take part of that magic home. She should have been on board with that. Where was she? I needed yeah. her to come up and just buy his whole stock. Yeah. She should have been, she could have been the uh, showgirl or the model girl, the booth babe. <laughs> booth babe. Got it. But it turns out he doesn't need to hawk his lizards. He, uh, he's, he's, uh, hired on as a bookkeeper slash magician, which seems like a great idea. Yeah. This, so. It doesn't make sense that Elsa puts a crazy man in charge of her books. Like, I don't care how clever with numbers he is. What if those are just, like, the ravings of a madman? Um. Like, beautiful mind style. It looks pretty good, and that's all that really counts, isn't it? Isn't that how the IRS works? Yeah. They don't really read that stuff, right? Yeah, that's not what my, that's not what my accountant says, anyway. They haven't read mine so far. <laughs> <laughs> I just doodle little pictures of, like, butterflies and kittens. <laughs> as long as you turn you write, it in, you, folks, that's how you get by it. With the tax evasion. You write all your numbers with like little kitty faces, <laughs> your little threes or like, you know, yeah, kitten faces. Exactly. Uh, so anyway, uh, Marjorie is back in her tent tearing Chester down, saying how she, this woman's treating you like a fool and you're stupid and et cetera, et cetera. Uh, Paul steps in, the seal boy. And uh, catches him talking to Marjorie, which is like, okay, this is weird. But then he also says to Chester, you might want to go easy on that rouge. Because, admittedly, NPH was laying it on thick. He was going for vaudeville 1920s when he should have been going for freak show 1950s. He was. Do you know how insanely bad those stage lights are? They just wash you out completely. We, we worked in a community theater for a long time and oh, yeah. to make women appear older, they would draw like these dark wrinkle lines across their faces yeah, yeah. and their forehead. Uh, sure. And you look at it and you're like, how does that work? That looks work? like a you three-year-old look, made yeah, you up. You look terrible. And then they get on stage and you're like, wow, tricks of the eye, man. And that's what NPH is all about. Indeed. So, uh, we move on to Elsa packing up and Dell comes in all in a huff and says he wants to kill Spencer for screwing over his boy out of his hands. And then he made, he said something that I actually didn't make the connection. He's like, look, how can he defend himself in prison, which he goes back to tomorrow if he doesn't have hands? And I'm like, ooh, that's a really solid point. Should have worked on his lobster feet. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, like maybe, you know, Jimmy is a tough dude. He can take care of himself, but you got two stumps, two, two raw stumps. And like maybe even those Merle jobs from The Walking Dead. But even then, their stumps are raw. That, that's no fun. Right. Uh, so he storms out after Elsa says, you need to figure out how to do something. And, uh, Amazon Eve catches up to him. Mm-hmm. And just when I thought that I was done with Dell, they form a super group. Jesus. She and says, just... she says, you know what you said about that super or the strong man and strong woman act? He's like, look, 
you know, it's, it's, uh, I, I'm sorry. I don't have time to fight with you. She goes, no, I think we should get that act together. I want to help you help Jimmy. I hate this a lot. You do? Yeah. I think it's stupid. I mean, how could she possibly forgive him for doing that? She doesn't forgive Dell. She doesn't say it. She, I think it would have been cooler if she had said Jimmy. something like, uh, I'm, I need, or I want to help you do this thing because Jimmy's my friend too. But as soon as we do this, I'm going to kill you. That would be fucking that. Yeah. That yeah. was a, that's, that I can get behind. I want her to say something really intimidating to make him know that she's not over it, but it seems like she's over it. And I hate that. But she did kick his ass. It still doesn't make it okay. Yeah. True. <laughs> it doesn't make it okay to kill someone. You, you're, you're exactly right. Or an attempted rape. I feel like that's what was implied. Is that she, she thought that was what he th- was trying to do? Yeah. Uh, I guess that's true. I mean, that's I thought what for, I yeah, took you away know, from it. you're right. Because from my perspective, I was thinking she thought it was him trying to kill her. Yeah. But and she was. It was just rape. Yeah. <laughs> I, I said it. I thought I threw enough irony into the just that people would get it. But let me just make right. that's an ironic statement. I need statement. you to make that explicit. It's explicitly. Uh, ironic. So, uh, where were we at? Chester visits Dot and Bet and gifts him a music box. And I'm not sure why. Um, it seems like that's an over the top gesture for someone that you're first meeting. Clearly he's sweet on them and he's got some kind of psychosexual thing. Yeah. With his uh, old lover's faces imposed on her body, but still. Um, Bet and Dot, because they're just fresh off the farm, think that's super charming. Yeah. And it is a nice of, box. It's kind of like him offering them a sign on bonus for their new job. Mm. And I believe the, it's implied that he found it in the old antique uh, tent anyway. So is maybe it? it's not like he went out and bought that. I want a cool jewelry box like that. It is a cool. It was cool. But yeah, he's been uh, dumpster diving back in Elsa's old tent of stuff. And he found a a lot of different things. But the, the, the thing that's important to the plot is he found a genuine something something saw girl in half box. Song box, yeah. Saw in box. And he said, uh, I want you to be my assistant because... The box that I saw. <laughs> the box that I saw. And because, you know, you're so distracting. And they're like, why? Because we're freaks. And he goes, no, no. It's because you're beautiful. That's such a weird thing. And their hearts turn into eyes. All four of them. Yeah. Their hearts turn into eyes. <laughs> and he said, it's like I was seeing old friends. And then his eyes start twitching. And you're like, oh, God, this is going to go weird places. Yeah. Because it's American horror. American horror, and this is their story. Uh, as his eyes twitching, we flash back, presumably, to him wearing his war uniform. He's sitting in a corner in a dark room. Uh, Marjorie is on his lap, and he's watching two women make lesbian love to each other. When do you think Marjorie was born? When he returned home to the stateside? I don't know, because that's approximately the right age. I think that his head got messed up. Like, if he create, because I'm thinking she's like nine or 11. When they replaced it with the who? A Marjorie. Nine or 11. Yeah. What are you talking about? Marjorie, how old she is. Like, in the show, how old she's supposed to be. Oh, I don't think you can pin age on her at all. Well, that's what I'm saying. So, she's like, if he. Like a human doll. If she's a delusion that he dreamed up in World War II to cope, and then he came home and had. I mean, which do you. I guess there's a lot of open questions here. Let's just go ahead and talk about it. Is Marjorie <laughs> a possessed doll running around and killing people? No, I think she's just a pure hallucination. Okay. There's been multiple times where she's spoken to him and addressed him and no one else can see her in that humanish form. Uh-huh. So I think the human type form is just a manifestation of his mind. And I don't think that doll has ever aged or the human that, you know, is playing the doll, I guess. Mm-hmm. Are we supposed to think that he still sees the doll? But it's... Ugh. Theater people are so weird. 
<laughs> but I think what I'm saying is that there's nothing in this universe that would imply that that's impossible. I mean, we've seen ghosts and things being possessed and um, weird magical things happening. So I'm just saying that that possibility in my mind is at least open because they 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 did an interesting li- walked an interesting line that everything we saw the doll do could be explained by him moving it or Dandy moving it at the end. But he insists that he's innocent. And what if we see in a flashback where the doll really did kill the ch- the the girls? Okay, I don't agree, but usually I'm wrong in these scenarios because <laughs> you're just not willing I to think, admit no, how think, crazy things are. Yeah, I think he just got a metal plate in his head or a metal plate in his head, and it fucked him up good. I think that's likely. I think that's likely. Uh, so anyway, uh, that's that's that scene. The cop shows up uh, to take Jimmy in. And they put him in the back of the paddy wagon. They're going to transfer him from the hospital to the prison. And Amazon Eve steps into the headlights and throws a brick through the window and almost her whole body. Um, I believe you skipped a scene. What scene did I skip? It's a brief scene, but it's the one where... um He cuts the woman in half and everybody applauds? Yeah. But what's... So what's... In, the only significant singing. about that is the private detective is yeah. in the background. We see that the private detective is watching them and they... I mean, he's winking at her and he's making all the signs, which I don't know would lead me to believe that he wanted to sleep with her. Hmm. So, yeah, I guess it wasn't anything. Well, no, no, I was just, I was, just, I, I got a little ahead of myself. Yeah. Uh, I want, I'm so, I'm, I'm. Uh, hey, you skipped it on purpose. You know you did. No, Why'd you do that? No. You did. No. Explain yourself. Get out of here. <laughs> uh, Amazon Eve almost gets ran over by a truck a because reindeer? she oh. why why did she step right into the path of traffic I don't know she wanted her aim to be true when she threw a rock directly through the windshield damn well anyway it works they spin out of control they get out to take care of Amazon Eve and Dell jumps up behind from with a tire iron and Dell attack beats two cops to death to rescue his son he doesn't knock them out he caves their faces in yeah actually one of them I don't know if Eve killed the other one, but I don't think she would do that. I think he's just no, no. He she he clubbed the one behind the head, which maybe he's knocked out, maybe he's maybe he's dead. Wait, did they later did say that they killed two cops? They yeah, killed you're two right. Cops. He okay. did. Wow. Uh, but he beat the one guy's face into jelly, which will be interesting to talk about later Is because it? I think it ties into another scene. Uh, Dell takes a bullet too. Takes a bullet, keeps on keeps on going. <laughs> okay, this is where Eve kind of gets her licks in, and she says, "Good." When he says it hurts like hell. Right, right. Yeah. Um, if the bullet doesn't kill you, I will. <laughs> uh, Scott and Bet give Chester uh, a complete fucking meltdown over the concept of deflowering him. Scott and Bet? I said dot, didn't I? No, you said Scott. <laughs> Scott and Bet. Scott and Bet. Give Chester. Well, wow. you know, Dot's a little. She's she's confused. Get- you know? <laughs> she's accepting so many new things. Yeah. Uh, so they're getting all sexied up and, and they want to fur. They want to fur. Uh, she says, I'm, a, I think that this is, or I'm, we're aware of this is many men's fantasy, having sex with two women. And then Marjorie says, not his. And he says, shut up. And the twins are like, nope, nope, still, still getting boned. Yeah, I'm just going to pretend I didn't hear that. Yeah, it's like, what? Let me ask you this. Cause Chris Rock's got this one f- funny bit about a woman knows whether she's going to fuck you within like 30 seconds of meeting you. Yeah. And the only thing your dumb ass can do is open your mouth and say something so stupid. No, no, that no. no. You're crediting that to the wrong person. It was Louis C.K. that said that. Oh, was it Louis C.K.? Yeah. Okay. So if we apply that a theory here, what thing could Neil Patrick Harris say that was so crazy that they wouldn't want him inside them? Um, he could say 
do you want to watch The Wizard of Oz? <laughs> that would do it, really? Yeah, that's why they snapped and killed their mother. Do you remember? Oh. Wow. Damn it, that joke fell flat. Uh, well, you know, hopefully some of our fans got it. And you can get some pity laughs from, oh, what you, I'm telling you. Uh, so we have this, uh, creepy flashback of him again watching the two girls have sex together. Who we don't know who they are yet. We don't know who they are, but we do realize that they're the same two girls that were on Bet and Dots, Bet and Scott Ted earlier. <laughs> so we know that there's some significance to, to all this. Yeah. And I figured, I assumed that he had some sort of fetish for watching with dolls. After he got back from the war, right? And then as... Uh, it seems like the kind of stuff that you pay people to do instead of them just doing it willingly. Right. Well, well I know. I'm a Midwesterner. <laughs> um, what's, what's interesting is as he's preparing to have sex with them, he says, can Marjorie join us because she relaxes me? And Bet and Dot say, whatever you need. Did you see the look of horror and like acceptance on Dot's or Bet's face where she's like... Um, still happening. Okay. Still yep. happening. Yep. I need that still, D. Still not crazy enough. Uh, and then we get twin sex. It was, uh, reasonably hot. It made me feel very uncomfortable. What did it? The Why? entire time. Um, it's the exclamations of pain. Oh, that. Yeah. And like the fact that I am so acutely aware of how gay Neil Patrick Harris is. Yes. I was about to say, is it weird seeing gay Neil Patrick Harris double up on Sarah Paulson. So after the twin se- sex, we see Dandy has hired a private dick to spy on the twins. Private dick. A private dick. And uh, the private dick says that, hey, these twins are crazy for the ventriloquist. Look at these pictures of them fucking. Yeah. And Dandy is crying and says, why do you think this happens? He's like, who knows what's in the mind of those two freaks? And he says, don't call them freaks. So I think it's funny because, you know... He's got the classic when he first went to the freak show and he looked through his little brass binoculars. He had that creepy freaks. And now he's saying, no call him that. I am. Dandy's grown as a character. Wow. I'm really surprised that he's got a private detective looking into this stuff. Like, I could do that shit. I could watch from the back of a public show and I could. You should totally be a private detective. And I could watch through someone's window while they have sex. It doesn't seem that hard, <laughs> honestly. I do it for free so, for no good reason now. So my point <laughs> is, is that why isn't the millionaire cop doing this for him? Why is he paying yet another guy too much money? Compartmentalization, to do man. Some bullshit. Compartmentalization. You gotta keep. Uh, you gotta keep uh, one of the guy's hands clean, squeaky clean. You had the Who's one clean? guy do Who's the dirty stuff, clean? and you had the one guy do the not so dirty stuff. Whose hands are clean? The private eyes. He's not guilty of any crime. Besides watching people have sex through their windows? You don't think there's a problem with that? That's true. <laughs> like, can private investigators do shit like that? No, like, it's. I'm pretty sure there's some sort of law that protects you from having your own private domicile being invaded. Hmm. So they could, like, take pictures of you and your mistress leaving the hotel, and they could find credit card statements of unexplained gifts, but they couldn't actually, like, put a hidden microphone and a camera in a hotel... To catch uh, a husband cheating on his wife if the wife hires them to do so. I don't know. I'd be interested to uh, know the rules of what, like, a paparazzi can do. Well, that's a different thing. But I thought that somehow private eyes had some kind of extra legal powers. But that probably doesn't make... No, that's probably wrong. No, oh, It's yeah. a wrong assumption by me. Yeah. Okay. This is the Aaron 
uh, is a dumbass and doesn't understand how the world works podcast. Thank you for joining us. That's not true. I'm sure I hope people will tell us how wrong we are and correct us. I just think private eyes. I've always thought that it's such an interesting career. Oh yeah. No, it's really cool. And like now things are just blown up because like with Facebook and the internet, like it's so much more sophisticated. Everything they could find out probably legally. Yeah, no, super cool in the twenties, <laughs> you know, when you got the dame and she's like, "See here, now. how you doing, honey?" That's right. That that wasn't my lipstick on that cigarette butt. <laughs> <laughs> Shows up with the black, the black shawl because her husband's been murdered. <laughs> the veil. She's still in mourning. You can't be kissing her. <laughs> <laughs> that don't get fresh, say. See. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, being a private eye is cool as fuck. Super illegal. Yeah. All right. Well, if you're a private eye and you're listening to this podcast, we would love, we actually like to do a podcast with you. We'll do a private eye podcast. We'll help you get that going. If you are hauling oats, please call in and let us know what you know about private eyes. I hear that watching watching you. you. All right. So we then see that, uh, after this sequence with Dandy, uh, Chester's so happy with his newfound sexual freedom with the twins. That he's done with Marjorie. He wants to lock her away in her little uh, coffinish uh, dummy box. And she says, you can't lock me away. I'll tell everything to everyone. And he then flashes back to when Marjorie was stolen by his ex-wife's, was his, his murdered wife's lover. And he told her, you can steal my wife, but you can't have her. And he's just uber obsessed with his doll. Yeah. But he maintains that he didn't actually kill them. So... What's the story? Okay, so the story is that the neighbor ladies fell in love while their husbands were at war. Yep. He came back with some serious fucked up shit in his head. Yep. But the wife is such a... I'm calling her bitch because she's flaunting this new relationship in front of him. Well, but, you know, maybe he said that's what he wanted. I mean, it's... He's sitting there watching. I mean, it's weird and fucked up all around, but I'm not sure I know enough to assign moral judgment. I'm just saying... Yeah. That he doesn't look super approving. You can say yes as much as you want, but when you're sitting there with that face and a doll in your lap, sure. I'm not buying it. Yeah, but man, like if I were to people. fall, if I were to fall in love with a woman while you're over here podcasting all day, uh-huh. I just, <laughs> I don't know. I couldn't do it. I just couldn't do it. Who are you talking about? Is that bit Charlene? <laughs> uh, no, I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. I'm just saying that. Like, I've read enough Reddit AMAs with prostitutes to know there's some fucked up shit people do to get off. Like, sure. Men Absol- sobbing while they're being beaten. Absolutely. And He's, I'm not questioning that. His his demeanor on his face might have nothing to do with what he wants to get out of that situation or what he is getting out of that situation. I, I'm not questioning that at all. Okay. It's his wife and his relationship deteriorating, and she's just having sex with another person that she loves more now. Uh-huh. This is so weird. I get that. It's a weird fucked up situation. I'm not saying, but I don't know that it's not consensual, which is also weird. So you're but... telling me that he always watched her, like, masturbate? No, no, no. I'm saying uh, he comes back from the lap? war, and she could have been like, oh, my God, I'm with Charlene now. Oh, you know what? It has been four years. And, no, this is weird. I hate this. Okay. But no, I'm, that's what I'm saying. Like, she comes back and he's like, I'm in love with Charlene. He's like, well, let's make it work. I'm an open-minded guy. I just want to watch. And, and I've always wanted to involve my doll. If I let you have this lesbian 
a woman and I still provide for you and I don't divorce you, then then you got to let me watch and bring the doll in. I can see some weird contract like that being formed. So why is he not into it if this was his idea? No, I think, well, I don't know. I don't know if he's into it or not. My point is what he's really not into is the lesbian stealing his doll, doll from him. And then he snapped clearly. Or right, the just... doll got enraged and used her magical powers to murder these two women. Okay. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. Uh, we see that uh, Chester's in the middle of having his angry discussion with uh, Marjorie. And Paul comes in and says, I d- hate to interrupt you talking to yourself, but Elsa wants to talk to you. And I'm pissed because us freaks passed around a tin cup and we put all of our savings in it. And Elsa, th- we got together ten cents. <laughs> Elsa threw us out her tent, said it was a pittance. It was literally pie tints. There were also some cherry pits in there. Yes, it was a cherry pittance. The cup, and uh, she said they got a better offer, and it turns out it's Chester. So a lot of the freaks are going to be pissed with Chester, so regardless of anything else in the story that that happens. Chester and his secret money. Yeah, because why not? Because Elsa explains it, she lampshades it by saying, in the three seconds I looked at your number figures, I saw that you're a well-heeled man. Oh, I didn't get that. I thought she just drew a general assessment of how organized No, it's still ridiculous because I don't think you can look at three pages in two seconds and say that someone's got a ton of money unless it was literally a written statement that says, I have a ton of money. (laughs) (laughs) 14 but I'm not... plus 7 plus 6 equals shit ton of money. <laughs> That's what she read. But then again, I don't have the nose for business. So what do I know? Um, uh, let's see. Anyway, she, uh, what I thought was interesting about this scene is Elsa says there was a bunch of contractual obligations mm-hmm. contingent upon him owning the thing. And mm-hmm. one of them was you can't fire anyone and you can't change anything, even the order of the show. And then he immediately announces he's got a new headliner, which is Marjorie. Is that what she said? Yeah. I don't think she said the order, really? No, she said down to the order, which... Well, well what's she going to do about it? I know, but I just she's like... She's going to Hollywood. They haven't signed anything yet. It seems like if he's like, okay, but I'm going to flaunt your number one of your conditions, she would be like, sales off. Is the contract Except like... she's greedy. Yeah, no, you can even tell, like, as the ink is drying, she's just panicking in her head. Cause she's like, I... I'm making a huge mistake. Hmm. I don't know. But I'm going to do it anyway because $1,000, why not? Right. Uh, Marjorie's gone when Chester gets back with the good news and he doesn't know where she's at. When the police officer comes up and says, you guys killed two of my brave officers, bashed their heads in, and I'm going to go find them. And this is the cop that Dandy bought. Oh, I didn't get that. Yeah. No, he's the one that's got the heart on for Jimmy. Gotcha. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. So it turns out... uh Chester comes onto the screen and says, Marjorie's missing. You've got to find her. And there, everyone's like, would you please shut the fuck up about Marjorie? The cops are. Elsa is. The audience. And we're all, all in it together and at this I've point. never seen Elsa be this, like, uh, sensitive to other people's insanity. Yeah. Because she's like, listen, I think you're just confused. Yeah. At start, but even then, she's like, you got to shut the fuck up. Yeah. So... The cops said, we're going to tear this place apart. And Elsa says, again. But then we get to a wide scene of uh, Chester stumbling through these, the freak show at night. Mm-hmm. Cops are doing a terrible job of tearing this place apart. No, because no, no. it looks completely untouched. No, I saw like a deleted scene from this episode because I thought it went a little too far. But really? it was really cool. Yeah. 
Um, got on FX.com and uh, got, got a little bit of the behind the scenes. <laughs> exactly. Right on. And Amazon Eve has this like Cinderella power where she can sing and call all the nature animals <laughs> to help them clean up. And they're living in a swamp, right? So they just get swamp animals like crocodiles or alligators, whatever the two. They, uh, they, 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 they do two rats. things. They sew Rabbit. giant dresses for her mm-hmm. and they're crackerjack. Uh, tent repair. Yep. Organizers, cleaners. Yep. All you have to do is throw some rancid meat down and they're happy. <laughs> or the last two cops you murdered. Either <laughs> way. <laughs> Just murdered cops is their diet. <laughs> they, 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 that's why they're, that's why they're magical. Dead vampires molest their uncles. <laughs> um, so anyway, uh, Chester's wandering through and yelling to Marjorie to stop hiding. And Dandy comes off the Ferris wheel, not the Ferris wheel, the merry-go-round, and says, you're looking for someone? She's not lost. The sideways Ferris wheel. And he uses all this information he's gleaned from the private detective. He knows in-depth details about the murder, because apparently Chester's on the lam, and tells him the whole story about how, as you said, the two women met and fell in love while their husband's in at war. Mm-hmm. And I love the dandy's reaction when he finds out. He's like, what a sicko. But it's like a delighted. Yeah. He's not so like, what a sicko. It's what a sicko. And, um, I, when, when they showed, first of all, Marjorie, they, sh- they showed Marjorie uh, straddle his wife and was beating her. Well, she's already been to death. She's beating her for like minutes on end. There's yeah. just this hammer going up and down and sculpting. But then when we see the woman's face, she like, wasn't nearly as bad as a cop, and I don't think she got hit a third of the, or the cop got hit a third of the time. That's what I'm saying. She, she, she is like giving him her love taps with that hammer. Mm-hmm. Like Dell in 10 strokes t- turned that dude's head to pulp. She's been beating on this woman for God knows how long. Face just, you know, got, got a little, got a little too much rouge on it. it looks like. <laughs> She, I think she, she looks was like actually, a nutcracker. I believe she was actually just beating a bottle of ketchup that was sitting next to the woman's head. <laughs> she was smacking a head of lebbage. She was just chopping up a head of lebbage. Lebbage. Le- a head of lebbage. It's lettuce cabbage hybrid, kind of like broccoli. Lebbage. Yeah. Lebbage. A head broccoli. of lebbage. What's broccoli a combination of? You know, I don't know. <laughs> But I do know the family that uh, bought the film rights to the James Bond franchise got rich by making broccoli. It's a hybrid of cauliflower and Brussels sprouts. That's not right. Are you serious? It's a mutant variety of cauliflower and something else. Oh, my God. So it's an elaborate metaphor. Broccoli is a freak. And she's cutting up broccoli. You are right. And lebbage. Lebbage is the the real... Ryan Murphy just reached right in my head and pulled that out. Why don't we get paid to do this? I don't, I don't understand. Technically, I do. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, I don't know what the hell is going on. Um, Dandy says that he's firmly on this guy's side because, you know, Chester started to get worried that, uh, you know, Dandy's sounding pretty judgy and pricky. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, he goes, you can find her in a big tent. So he goes in there and tells Marjorie, look, I just bought this fucking place. And she goes, I want to be the headliner. You can be the headliner and you can have whatever you want. And she goes, well, I want you to be a magician and saw the twins in half because she's tired of people being in between them. So at, at, at the same time, we're getting like these two scenes I'm discussing intercut because Maggie slash Esmeralda comes to Elsa and says, come with me. You got to see something. 
And then Dell goes into uh, Desiree's trailer, and she's waiting there for the gun and said, I don't want to hear any more of your homoerectus nonsense. <laughs> and wants to know, who'd you kill? And I, I, the truth will always reveal itself. He's like, I just killed those two cops. She's like, no, no, you killed one of your own. Do you think he remembered? Because it seemed like at the very first, in the beginning of her questioning, that he didn't. No, I think he, I think he was just trying to weasel out of it. He's trying to talk himself out of that pit. Right, eventually. But I think just the first time she asked, he, might be he right. really didn't remember. I don't know. But he eventually confesses to killing Ma Petite by smothering her. And then we see, surprisingly, the front of his head blown out. Because it turns out Elsa May was standing right behind him with, with Desiree, I can only imagine, is covered in Dell brains Seriously. and skull and she's blood. She's got a bullet lodged right in her gut. She probably, it's a good thing she got the three breasts because one of them had to had take the, the bullet. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, just an incredibly irresponsible sight line for that firing. And she says, that's all I needed to hear. And that's it for Dell. Hala fucking Luya. I'm so glad. Sometimes I wish they would get campier with the show. Like how, Awesome would it be if they shot Dell at the same time and his head just exploded. <laughs> <laughs> like, why not? I mean, she's got three breasts. Who the fuck cares? Yeah. Yeah. You know, then I would forgive the fact that, you know, the bullets would pass through. And just... Have you never seen the Cranked movies? No. You would love them if you said something that fucked up because that actually happens. <laughs> ah. That actually happens in one of the cranked Seriously? movies. Seriously? Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, a stripper gets shot in the boob, and it blows silicone blows out the side. Oh my god, are you serious? Now, now don't you be rolled. That you just, sounds horrible. You just made that up. No, I didn't. Yes, you did. I've seen you play Shadows of Mordor. You've exploded plenty of heads. <laughs> oh, I thought you said her breast. No, not her breast. What's wrong with you? What was it? Ha- what would his head blowing up have to do with anything? I'm just saying that I wish, you know, they would just go full camp. Oh, show it? Yeah, because Desiree had a gun too. Like, once he admitted it, why didn't they shoot him at the same time? And oh, then- and the bullet meets in the middle and just like the Death Star blows his yeah, head apart? Exactly. Oh. And then it's like ultimate women's justice against young women violence. I got so excited about the prospect of watching Cranked with you and did that hope got dashed. Dashed by your judgy fist. No, I think the chub you have is from seeing a woman's <laughs> breast get blown I, up. Mm, <laughs> there's no chub on this side of the table. Oh, it's me then. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Jesus Christ. Shall we do a little bit? Our, do you have anything else to say about the episode? Um, I think it was actually a very strong episode. I'm glad because they, the this is the episode they needed coming it, off the break, right? Yeah. Um, I think Neil Patrick Harris uh, just chewed the entire scenes up, the entire episode. Mm. And I think it was a nice return of uh, Jamie Brewer, who's probably, I don't know, she's probably going to die. But I don't know. You think so? Well, she's one, she's the, she's clearly tied with the dandy for being the big bad at the end of the season. I mean, Dell was kind of a big bad. Russell Edgington, you got Russell Edgington. Yeah. Dandy. Well, they're doing this thing where they're quickly disposing of their their, their villains, right? Sure, but they're, they're also su- introducing they're also introducing them fairly at a fairly good clip as I well. I think the big bad this episode is or this season has mm. been Jimmy and Dell. <laughs> and <laughs> big the, bad and like bad is in quotation marks, sure. Right, and then the other side you've got Dandy, and then you have the sort of side bads like Twisty the Clown or sure. Yeah, uh, Gabrielle Sibide and the law coming down on you. Right, right, right. Yeah. (laughs) 
I don't even know what I'm saying anymore. Well, then let's uh, do a little bit of pimping, shall we? We shall. Hey, if you'd hey. like to support Bald Move, if you'd like, like if, if you'd like to, uh, uh, like, like I mentioned just a moment ago, in theory, help me get paid for this gig, <laughs> uh, you can it's do so. It's not theory. It's real money. It's happened. We survived the whole year off of this podcasting deal. I'm, I'm, I'm blown away. And the income of your girlfriends. <laughs> <laughs> not me i meet all the other girls that he has on the sure, side it yeah, takes yeah. a lot yeah, yeah yeah i've got i've got a lot of a lot of uh thoroughbreds pulling this chariot <gasps> if you like to if you like to help uh cecily be the only one <laughs> <laughs> There's a bunch of different ways you can do so. You can go to support.baldmove.com. Briefly, you got the Amazon link. If you shop on Amazon anyway, please use amazon.baldmove.com because it helps us get paid and you get paid, uh, the same great services, prices, and products. Were you about to say that you get paid too? You do get paid. Yeah. In rewards. We do. And then you can also go to patreon.com slash baldmove where you can watch Jim and I podcast live. You can sit in with us lunch at Jim and A-Rods. You can get an ad-free feed. So you never have to hear my ham-fisted, bacon-gauntleted pleas for help how much, again. How much money do I have to pay to see you guys podcast naked? Uh, negotiable. negotiable. Please send that. Please send that to ahs at baldmove.com. Your quote, your bid. <laughs> we can maybe make that happen. Uh, you can also go to subbable.com slash baldmove where you can commission a custom podcast. If, if, if you know American Horror is not your cup of tea, I don't know why you've listened to us talk about it for an hour. Yeah. But if it weren't, you could say, like, I want them to do my favorite television show or my favorite movie, and we have to. You're the boss. We can't say no. I don't have to you take shit. The, you, you take the reins <laughs> of this chariot, the bald move empire, and you, you, you jerk it. Drive it straight into the ground. <laughs> uh, yes, that is your, your right. You're right by using the magic word of subable.com, the po- word of power. I like like Jim and I shudder when people say that worldwide. You can literally make them do anything you want them to. No, that's not true. That's not true. Although, <laughs> e- email it to ahs <laughs> at baldmove.com. We'll talk about it. Let's do some feedback, yeah? Yeah. Frack and T said, hey, Cecily and Aaron, I was surprised. Hey. This is this is pre-the break uh, feedback. Uh, I was surprised that neither of you picked up on the possibility that Pepper was the mother of the baby. The sister admittedly had quote-unquote clogged pipes and couldn't have a baby of her own. Later, she says to her husband something about how we can't wait. he can't wait to be alone with Pepper. I think and my buddy D backed me up on Facebook that the sister and her husband used Pepper to have the baby she always wanted, but it turned out to be a freak, so after a while, they had to cut their losses. There is... We talked... We kind of debated that, I, I thought. Think, I think that's powerful. It's very strong, D and fracking D and fracking T. I respect your opinions quite a bit. Uh-huh. But I disagree. Well, I think there's a lot of evidence suggesting that maybe that's the case, especially since they hammered it home uh, with Sister Eunice saying, you're just, you're, you're awfully old to have a child. And she had the clog pipes anyway. It is interesting that Pepper shows up and suddenly there's a baby. Well, Jesus' mom did it without even having sex. <laughs> but Jesus wasn't a freak. He was a perfect child. I don't QED. Know. I just, I, I would have expected a different sort of reaction out of Pepper and the the father figure what was his name did he ever get a name i don't know the father he i would murdered expect a baby a sort yeah, of he's, different he's nothing to me i don't know i don't know i like your theory i'm on you might not have swayed to cecily but i am buying lots of stock in that theory you believe that he raped her simple sister yep i sure do he murdered his own child why wouldn't he's they... not capable of raping his sister's simple or sister's I agree, simple sister I, no 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 i think that 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 
has legs. I agree with all three of you, but okay. it just doesn't work out so well in my head. Like, I feel like she would have a different reaction to him even being around. I mean, that's, even if you're simple, you know you've been majorly violated when you've been raped. Uh-huh. And I also think it's weird that if they're going to do something that fucked up, why not make it explicit? Well, there's still, that's the thing. There's still two episodes left in which they can do that. I don't that. think Pepper's coming back. I think they're done really? with their story, yeah. Hmm. They, they, that's they, a compelling point. It's not like Murphy to just kind of leave something fucked up to your imagination. I think, I mean, I would believe it if you said that all those pieces were there and they just forgot to make the connections. Cool, yeah. Draw your own conclusions. Sure, that's what happened. I don't think the evidence is there, though. All right. Well, someone who goes by the name of RRR, perhaps Triple R, or just as I'm going to call them, R says, I absolutely love this episode talking about the orphans one. It was a huge improvement from what we've seen getting to this season or what we've been getting this season. Not only do we get to see some main story progression with Maggie revealing her and Stanley slash Richard slash Russell Edgington's real motives, to Desiree, but we really uh, got well done surprises. This is true. Uh, we really liked the last 15 minutes or so of this episode. Mm-hmm. Our first surprise was Jimmy's hands on display at the museum. I don't know about y'all, but I thought the camera pan down to Jimmy's crotch was just that. Since Danny's totally devoid of morals, I thought he had other plans for Jimmy. I had no idea it was about his hands, so that gave me my first genuine surprise of the season. Also, really? Elsa does become a star? What? For the first time this season, I'm anticipating the next episode. I think my enjoyment has a lot to do with how Asylum-esque it was. Besides the direct connections and fun parallels to that season, it was heavy and dark, much like the entire season of Asylum. If you have the uh, time, I recommend you watch Asylum first, especially since we got two characters from that season in Freak Show. And Aliens. And Yeah, you've seen it. I have not. Yeah. Uh, it remains the best acted season and has the tautest script to the series. And since you are big fans of Sarah Paulson, she absolutely shines in Asylum. Dot, dot, dot. <laughs> Uh, she continues, I have no problem to seasons being connected. It doesn't ruin or hinder anything for me. Pepper is a fan fave, so I think her inclusion to this season was not only a nod to Asylum slash Pepper fans, but a great way to cement what that each season is connected. Why Pepper's been committed and her really being framed is well-established in Asylum, but because Pepper is our first crossover character, that confirms these seasons take place in the same universe. Sure, sure. It actually hurt a lot more... Uh, because you see how tragic Pepper's life was from the start. As far as Sister Mary Eunice, Asylum introduces her as a very innocent and timid young lady. So her exchange with Pip Pepper wasn't odd or anything. She says, is it okay if I give my list of worst characters in AHS and add to an already long email? And I'm going to make the executive order that sure. Yes. Sure it is. Yes. Murder House. Uh, worst characters. Tate, Constance, Larry, Hayden, and Ben. Uh, mm-hmm. Asylum is Bloody Face and Dr. Arden. I'd give some others, but it would spoil quite a bit. Okay. Okay. Co- Coven. I can actually I can actually participate in this you one. You said Coven right, too. I almost didn't. I stuttered. No, I said I Co-Coven. It, you fixed it immediately. Coca. Coca-Co- Coca-Cola. Coca-Coven. 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 <laughs> uh, Way to undo all of your hard work. <laughs> Fiona and Madame LaLaurie. Papa Legba, too, I guess, but he's not uh, really an evil deity in voodoo. Hmm. What do you what do you think? Fiona was Fiona. I don't know. She yeah, she was ta- she was pretty bad. Madame Lalaurie is definitely of all the characters last season seemed yeah. to be the worst. Um, and a generally really evil real life person too. Do you know she's a real life? I person? did not know that. Holy yeah. shit! No, Are you it's kidding? a true story. 
Wow. She really mutilated slaves in her house. In Holy fuck. And in fact, they walk by her house. Well, see, I was about to say the only thing about her character is I found it offensive the few times that they tried to redeem her. And now yeah. I'm like, find it super offensive. Yeah, I agree. Although maybe the point they're trying to make is you anyone, know what? I think anyone... Kathy Bates got hers this season by having that Baltimore accent. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, shall we move on? Yes, please. Matthew R. said, after the break, I was really looking forward to a new AHS episode. As I watched Doogie Hauser appear on screen and stay for a while, I wondered if his Broadway skills would be thrown in and thought, it's a little late to bring someone new. Where are they going to go with this? But then in one foul swoop in the line of the show, Dandy appeared with a, what a sicko. I laughed. I cheered. I had to pause and rewatch. That made my earlier frustration of this episode all go away. Once I had my dandy feel, the episode slowly started paying off. I really enjoyed it. Jamie Brewer making an appearance also made this one of my favorites for the season. Wait, this episode didn't start paying off for you until you saw Dandy? That was really late into the episode. Yeah, and I the only thing I can this think of is he must sell. he must hate Jimmy and Dell a hell of a lot more than we do. But And anyway. some other people. Like who? I don't know. There was very little Jimmy and Dell. Yeah, or it implies that he didn't like NPH, which he actually didn't, he actually explicitly says in the email until that moment either, which I was surprised. I thought he was a treat and a delight from the moment he stepped on the screen. Yeah, he's always fun, no matter what kind of character he's playing. I enjoy him. But we're glad, we're, we're glad that brought it around for you there, Matt. And, uh, we're hoping. See you next week. We're hoping that, exciting. that uh, they can close strong. And again, if you got any of those, uh, um, crazy weird, um, crying and spanking offers you can send them into ahs at baldmove.com we've only got two episodes left right two episodes left oh my god aaron and look at those episodes <laughs> and uh you also send feedback there too i guess alpha and hotel sierra at baldmove.com at baldmove.com you can also find us on our forums at forums.baldmove.com on facebook.com slash baldmove uh I'm ready to stop podcasting about this episode. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Way to make this a smooth transition into saying goodbye to our audience. We will see you yet another time. Until then, I'm your host, Aaron. And I am Cecily. Good night. Good night.